Welcome to It's Personal, Not Just Business with your host, Michael Flegelman. In each episode, you'll learn lessons from other successful financial advisors and brokers. You can find this show on YouTube, LinkedIn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on swanwealth.com. Now here's the host of It's Personal, Not Just Business, Michael Flegelman. Welcome. Welcome, Dusty, and welcome to all our listeners, and thank you for joining us. Um, Today, I have the pleasure of uh, the presence of Mr. Dusty Rollins. (laughs) I've known Dusty for probably about five years now, and he runs a a very nice practice down in Florida. He's um, both a tax professional and financial advisor who specializes in tax planning and and I think works with a lot of small businesses. Dusty, can you briefly introduce yourself and share a little bit about your background and your journey and um, and share with the audience, you know, what led you to where you are today? Sure. Thanks for having me, Michael, and I uh, look forward to this. So I, you know, I was running a business I had a construction business um, in Atlanta, Georgia, and I had no real interest in financial advising, planning, that whole business. But I start what started is the first year I had my business, I, you know, I didn't make much money, so I didn't have a tax problem. And then the the about the third year, I started making some money, and the and so my accountant at the time, you know, when I showed up at the end of the year, he said, well, here's how much you owe. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, uh, you, you mixed up our files or something here. I can't have made that and owe that. And so that began kind of this pursuit of, um, you know, learning tax things and, uh, which a lot of people don't think it's fun, you know, and, and, and it's not, but I, so anyway, I, started this per, like self-taught on taxes because I knew there was, you know, ways to legally avoid paying as much as I was. <clears throat> and so that led through a lot of little series of events. Um, and I got in with some guys doing infinite banking. And what's interesting about that, because just, you, you know, that's kind of a, a lightning rod. So you're going to have, you know, a whole bunch of listeners, you know, don't like that. A whole bunch like it. A whole bunch, probably not many in between. But yeah, absolutely. I, that, that, that I, you know, the fact remains, this was my foray into. So I actually started an infinite banking policy on myself while I still had a construction company. So I had no no interest or desire to be in the industry. And I still have that policy. I think it's 18 years ago now. Um, it's wow. a little Lafayette policy that I started and, and, you know, and still have that one. And so uh, as I was doing that, we, there was a shift in the economy and I didn't 
you know, I was like, I, I, I'm going to go into financial planning. It looks a lot easier than construction. <laughs> <laughs> Little did you know. <laughs> so, I, I never claimed to be bright, Michael. <laughs> I think you're bright, but like everybody else, you know, you're going into the land of unknown. It sounds good. <laughs> and then and then you're here and you go, oh, my God, this is all right. There is, you know, my father was in the jewelry business, you know, and um, I watched how hard he worked. He came out of World War II and every morning he would wake up at like five o'clock and go to, you know, the Diamond District in Manhattan and worked his ass off. And you know, when the economy was bad, you know, and gold prices were bad, you know, everything was was a problem. And I realized that there's no easy businesses, you know. But, um, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. <laughs> so you, you were you were at that point where you, you took on this new role, this new business because of the infinite banking uh, concept. Is that what got you motivated to, to become a financial advisor and a and a tax advisor? I think so, Michael, because one one thing I'm, you know, I, I just turned, I'm 50 years old. And so you start, you know, doing reflecting because like, hopefully I've got a long time left, but I know it's not infinite, right? <laughs> uh, there's only so many Thanksgivings left. And so uh, I've, I've always been kind of a, a, a counterculture guy, if that's the word. Like, so I, infinite banking was a very unique concept because even again years ago it was really quite new you know it wasn't as marketed as it is now and and knocked off in in certain respects so i i was intrigued that i could get in and be different than you know the than the mutual fund guy who's you know where you invested oh i can do better um so i was intrigued that i thought that there was a unique angle there um, and then, like I said, I'd been doing it several years. And, and one thing that I was I was very fortunate, I had a, so at that point, I had a specialty painting business. So I would send these crews, you know, all over the country, and we'd paint hotels and different things like that. And so I was able, I, I took about a year and a half, this is bad, you probably don't want to hear this, but I, I took about a year and a half getting in the industry before I really sold much of anything, um, because I, I I didn't need the money. I mean, I wasn't independently wealthy, but I had an income coming in. Sure. And I wanted to really be able to look my client in the eye or the prospect, as it were, and say, here's my recommendation. This is, and, and know sincerely that I'm not re- recommending this because I need to feed my kids. I'm recommending this because I think this is best for you. So that was a nice luxury in hindsight, particularly to to really be able to look at, you know, the insurance world, the securities world. Um, and then even within each of those, you know, you've got RIAs and seven and 67s and all that stuff. And then in the insurance, you've got IUL, whole life, you, you know. <clears throat> so it really um, allowed me to solidify what I believed in you know, and what I was, what I was wanting to sell. Yeah. It resonated with with your clarity and your values that this was the right thing. And right. 
I could tell from the quality of the business that you have uh, done through our organization that you have some very significant clients that, you know, follow your recommendations and, and the products that you sell, you stand by and they work for people. You know, they, they don't have that, that tremendous risk that many products that are marketed in the financial services business do. There's there's some deviation in how these products perform based upon dividends and so on. Um, but they're not wildly volatile like many of the products that may seem sexier or better or cheaper. You know, somebody once said to me, Dusty, beware of bargains in parachutes and life insurance. <laughs> I like that. I haven't heard that one. I, I'm going to use that. I yeah. like it. You know, anything I ever said in life was because somebody smart said it and I remembered it. <laughs> but at least you remembered it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Dusty, um, share with the audience a little bit about how people could reach out to you if they were looking for a financial advisor or a tax professional, where you're located, some of your contact information, how they can find you. Sure. Well, what's interesting, Michael, so my email is dusty at dustyrollins.com. And, um, but what's, what's interesting is where my business has evolved now, because what I found for me was my, my easiest prospecting method. The thing that was most authentic to me was to start talking to a business owner about taxes. And so because that's um, where your roots were, that's, you know, right. you were the business owner who had a tax problem, right? Right. And, and I like it because, you know, it's pretty quick. I, I, you know, at this point, um, and I don't want it to sound like a, a, like a chop shop or something, but you know, if I'm sitting in a, in a social place and meet somebody, you know, it, it can quickly and easily, uh, I find go to taxes because, they um, either, you know, most of them don't like paying it if they're paying a lot. And I found the ones that aren't bothered by taxes aren't paying very much. Yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. And so what that has done, Michael, is like, I don't even have a website now. I don't, I don't do any real marketing. I, I do, you know, kind of word of mouth. Um, but, but I'll say this too. Because a lot of people give lip service to word of mouth. But I really, um, back in 2017, so this, this was, I believe, before we, you and I started working, just before we started working together. Um, I grew up in a boarding school in Penang, Malaysia. Oh, my and God. So wow. My, my kids, back in 2017, my kids were like 13, 11, and 9. And... My wife and I wanted to give them, you know, we we live in a small town in between Daytona and Orlando and Central Florida. You know, we're an hour to Disney World. We're 30 minutes to the beaches. We live, you know, we're, we're kind of in a rural area where we're right by the river for fishing. My son and I love to fish. So we we kind of wanted them to see this is a little bit of paradise and the rest of the world doesn't necessarily live like this. Yeah. How so, long did you live in Malaysia? Why well, I, I live from uh, age ten to sixteen. 
Wow, that must have been quite an experience. It was, because those are formative years, so I have a lot of uh, memories. It's also interesting, Michael, because you know you and I are old enough to remember pre-internet days. Um, so when I was there, I mean, it was too expensive to call to the U.S. You know, like it was just ten dollars a minute or some outrageous amount, and then even a a letter took seven or eight days to get, you know, back to the U.S. and then back forth. So there, there was no internet, there was no Skype and uh, and FaceTime, nothing like that. So it was a, a different world. Sure. But we, my wife and I decided we wanted to take our kids and experience that a little bit. So we said we're going to move for a month to Malaysia, because once you, it's a it's a pain to get there, but once you get there, it's uh, really nice and inexpensive. Your dollar goes a long, long way. Hmm. So we rented an Airbnb over there. And uh, so it was June of 2018, I believe. But here's the relevant part to your listeners. Just before then, I, I said, you know, I'm not, ta- I can't take a month off my business. My clients will will still need me. And so it really forced me to consolidate and to kind of move things into the cloud and to get very efficient with my business. And in the process of that, I really, um, I'd I'd heard about a long time, but I'd really got dove deep into the 80-20 principle, the Pareto's principle. Mm. And so I I really looked at my business and I was like, so this, you know, because this is kind of a big transition anyway, if I'm going to leave the you know, move internationally for a month. And so I use that opportunity to, how should we say, politely allow that lower tier of clients to find better advisors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally understand. And and it seems, you know, you've done a very good job in that because, you know, the, the business that you have sent us are all, you know, people of, of real substance. And it's what you love. You know, if you could market to, you know, business owners and professionals and high net worth people, you know, it's a better fit for you. Exactly. And and what I have found part of the value, I when I got rid of a lot of the because all of the pain in the rear end, I don't know what we're allowed to say on this podcast. It's pretty <laughs> much know. anything, you know. Um, so the, the pain in the ass clients were all in that lower tier anyway. Sure. And so when I got rid of that, you know, I, I basically have this principle now. If if I see you calling, if you know, well, if you're not on my caller ID on my cell phone, then then the phone's not getting answered. It'll go to voicemail. But if you get in there and I'm dreading you calling, you know, if, if I see you calling, I'm like, oh, no. Well, you're on your way out because like you know, life's too short. I've got other. And and what that's allowed, Michael, is allowed me to go deeper with the existing clients I have. They already know, like, and trust me. I don't have to resell them. I don't have to. And so what's interesting, you talked about, um, you know, selling products that last and that are, that have some safety and stability to them. Um, During COVID, when COVID first started, this would have been March, April of 2020. It was very interesting because I would, you know, do check-in calls with my top clients and there was just a ton of uncertainty, you know, in the whole world. I mean, nobody knew what's nobody going was on. comfortable. 
They were home, they were isolated, they were right. sick, and they were uncomfortable. It was a and what's time. very interesting is my top clients had the bulk of their liquidity was in cash value. Mm. And that was a really that was a really cool thing for me because I was kind of I, I didn't go tell them, see, I told you so, but I was like, hey, remember all that, you know, all those premiums we'd been putting away and then you know, and you have access to that. And then I would tell them, you know, if, if Mass Mutual goes out of business, like, you know, we need to buy shotguns and grow gardens. You know, we're, we're, <laughs> Mass, Mass Mutual's been around before the Civil War. If they go out of business, we're, you know, we're in apocalyptic times. Like, and that really, it gave me a, even a, a, a bigger confidence in what we're actually providing for clients because I just saw they they were, you know, well, they were uncertain about their business, about their income, about their clients, but there was that stability, that cash value that was sitting there. And um, that was a very cool experience. And so as you saw, that led to uh, them kind of saying, well, we like this so much, how can we do more? <laughs> you know, it's it's remarkable. We We go through business cycles and life cycles and you know, it keeps on rearing its head, the fear. I, I, what struck me when you were talking, Dusty, was back in 2008 when we had the credit crisis and, you know, no mortgages were being offered. They were closing yep. home equity lines of credit. Bear Stearns went out of business. Lehman Brothers went out of business. Um, and everything went down in value. The value of my home in New York went down. The value of my home in Arizona went down. The value of my deferred comp account at Guardian went down. My 401k, my stocks, my bonds, yeah. they're supposed to be asset allocated, right? But right. all the assets went down except for one. And you That's said right. the cash values of the life insurance are guaranteed to be right. worth more every single day. Right. There's some real comfort in that when things get crazy. And, you know, I wrote the article in 2008. And I'll share it with you. It's a pretty well-written article, if I have to say so myself. And it then happened again, you know, and it's going to happen again. Correct. Yes. So we're going to go through these times. The 2008 one was, I think, in some ways scarier than the COVID one. Because right. in 2008, money stopped moving in the economy. It just yep. froze. And nobody was doing anything. They were they were like, I couldn't get a mortgage, so I'm not building this house, or I'm not buying this house, and therefore no mortgage brokers are making any money. So they're going out of business. And, and, and you know, everything happens because of a concept called the velocity of money, the movement of money. And I don't know if you recall, uh, it was uh, George Bush Sr. Um, he, at one point during his administration, sent everybody out $600 check. And he <laughs> did that to start to stimulate the economy. Because if I got $600, then I might hire someone to do some work for me. And then that money moves. And, and that's how economies are built. People don't plan financially utilizing concepts like the velocity of money. And those concepts are only available through smart financial advisors like yourself. 
you know, because it is the road less traveled. You know, you were talking right. about the stuff that you do for your clients and what attracted you into this business. You know, it is the the non-traditional financial advisor role. Most of the people that do or say they are financial planners or even have designations that say they're financial planners, most of them are looking to gather assets and charge a fee and don't have a, a, a built-in values and philosophy such as right. yours. So I'd love for you to share a little bit more about your values, your philosophy, and the type of clients that you love to work with, whether they're doctors, lawyers, um, business owners, construction workers, um, teachers. Who is it that, that you love to work with? And what are some of the values that you have and lessons that you've learned? In your career, that's I a, a lot there. So, yeah, and that's any part. So, so one thing I would say, you know, piggybacking on what you just said, um, you know, life insurance and taxes are um, sometimes maybe people are surprised by the the compatibility, but and, and I once heard it somewhere. I've used the line for twenty years. I, I don't think the life insurance companies even know what they have, <laughs> like, like, because some of the some of the sales stuff they send us is crap, you know. And, and I'm like, like, I don't think the the home offices fully realize exactly what they have when you have this system where it's it's. I mean, it's so good. The IRS had to limit it back in what was it the late '80s? Um, you know, and that created the, the MEC rules, right? Correct. So. So that's a, a clear tail sign when the IRS limits something you can do, you might want to look into that, you know, because uh, they're not limiting it because it's too good for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so more. what I began, you know, you know, I, it, it's anecdotal. I don't have thousands of clients, as we talked about. I've actually paired way back. But I really look for. You know, it starts with there is there some pain around taxes and and that's a, a, just a natural pain point for people that I find uh, uh, compelling. And so we kind of start there. But then also they, they you know, I want a, a serious client. I want a client that can look to the future a little bit and uh, generally has a family that they're that they like. <laughs> and these are all assumptions you can't make, right? Like no you can't just do, do you have a family? You can't just check that box. <laughs> um, Cause I have had a couple cases where that, you know, I was like, well, what about your kids? And he's like, I don't give a, you know, yeah. flying rats, you know, what about them? So what, what I have found is when you get a client that's in that right category for you if if we can use that term then you can really create a partnership and i mean people talk about that but the you know i i my two top clients uh uh my very best ones of which you you know both of them uh through you know through business um i've vacationed with them you, you know i've uh you know we go to parties all the time like there it, it's a deeper it's more of a partnership than even an advisor role. And so 
that's how I've, I've found that if I just keep going deeper and deeper and, and looking for value, and I, I think in terms of advice, one of the things that has helped me, and even, even in the last few years, particularly more, is I've really gotten better at listening. Mm. And, you know, what I found a lot of times, and, and you'll know this, Michael, as a, a good salesman yourself, um, I know your role has changed over the years, but obviously you don't get to where you are without knowing how to influence people for their own well-being. You know, uh, we can sense like when you're when you're getting sold by a bad salesperson, it's very irritating, (laughs) you know, and even if I'm like, I have no clue, I have no interest in your thing. I'm not going to buy it in a million years. I wouldn't take it if it was free, but at least respect me enough to sell me properly, you you know. (laughs) Yeah. To me, the biggest thing is when they don't listen, like you, you, you drop a clue. And you can tell they're so caught up in their own head about what they're wanting to sell that they can't really step back and listen. And I just think I I had a mentor of mine, a sales mentor, so he wasn't in financial services. He's like, if you go on a sales call for lunch and you're sitting there and at the about halfway through lunch, if your plate is clean and their plate, you know, if they've only taken a few bites, you've won. (laughs) <laughs> right absolutely because that means they've been talking because they're not shoving food in their mouth when they're talking now and and i think i think the majority of salespeople, because the personality that's kind of drawn into sales you know they want to talk and talk and talk and talk and and i'll tell you i want to be very careful in, in case compliance is listening <laughs> you know but um you know I think people would be shocked the size policies that I've closed with. And again, I want to be careful, but you know, they, they don't know every nuance of the policy. They know everything legally. It's all been disclosed. It's all been there, but you know, I I don't necessarily at that time get into every single nuance. You, You know, we're not spending a college semester, you know, going over this policy. Again, everything that's legal and improper, you know that. Yeah. But it's because we're, we've listened. I've listened deeply. And, and sometimes, Michael, I feel like I've listened. I listen to these two people that in, in some ways they've never been listened to like this before. And coming from just an insurance guy who kind of does taxes, you, you know. But I, I think in my mind, I, I, you know, and my son just turned 18. He's... Um, looking at what to do. So I'm trying to teach him some sales things. And that's the biggest lesson we're working on right now. It's a great just, lesson. I, I, I want to share something because it's so relevant. To, you know, you, you talk about this and, and there's no greater honor that you could give a human being is looking them in their eyes and not saying anything, just listening to them. I've learned it the hard way. Sometimes I'm better with my clients and business colleagues than I am with my family. Sometimes, you know, my wife wants to just talk with me. She doesn't want me to solve her problem. She wants me to, to, to listen to her. And there's an old saying that I is right up your alley. People don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. 
And by listening, you're demonstrating caring. And, you know, that changes everything. And when you, um, you know, there, there was a gentleman I met many years ago, and he just was masterful in making me feel good whenever I met him. He was very successful, way more successful than I was. But he was always, whenever I met him, I'd shake his hand. And he made me feel like, I was the most important person in the world when I was talking to him. Right. That, that is such a, a wonderful gift. Um, so what you're teaching your son will go very far, not only in business, but in his interpersonal skills as he develops relationships as an adult man in this world. Right. Um, so kudos to you. What a great lesson to, to listening is is not taught in school, but there should be a master's degree in listening. Um, and, you know, salespeople are always wanting to talk. We want to show how much right. we know. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. And people don't care. So right. I think that that's really terrific. Uh, I really, really love that concept. And it's indicative of why you have such strong relationships with these types of people. Share with us a little bit about some of the obstacles you faced in life and or and or any of exciting projects you have coming up, things that you're doing in your life um, or, you know, your business and what your plans are. That's all. I mean, (laughs) you know, or, or anything else you want to share before we wind down our meeting today. Sure. So I I think one thing that, um, one thing that I'm working on now is, uh, a lot of my, you know, as part of my process of, of going deeper with my business clients, you know, we'd be sitting there, you know, they're, so they're already, you know, we're already handling the taxes. We're, We've got the insurance covered. And so I would frequently ask him, you know, what else could I do? Or what are your other, you know, we've solved two big problems for you. What are what are some others? And they they consistently came back with, um, you know, my knuckleheaded employees, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like. And so um, as part of my consulting, because that's what I, I kind of call myself more of a consultant than a an advisor. And um, so, so we're doing some things now where we go in and help them with their employees, you know, and um, that's very exciting to me because it it seems different, but in many respects, it's not because, you know, any business owner who has a, you know, a certain amount of employees, their number one asset is those employees Absolutely. And their number their number one headache and frustration and expense is those employees. <laughs> so um, that that's one thing that we're we're uh, really excitedly liking. And you know, in, in terms of advice, I, I would say too for the people that, and everyone's always in a different space. But w- what I found two things that really helped me because I don't consider myself a natural born sales person. You, you know, I, sure. I, I, it, it, even now it, it feels at times, um, I don't know how I even got here, <laughs> you know, like yeah. what, wait, 
they, you know, um, it's like that David Byrne talking head songs. How did I get here? <laughs> yes. It's like, they'll, you know, like I, I'm doing my rant and then they'll say, okay, yeah, I'll do that. And I'm like, what, 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 why, why are you doing that? You know, well, why'd you say yes? You believe, you believe, you have a belief system and you have trust and that's why they that you're a salesman it's because you found something that you feel strongly about that you believe but i wanted to point out one uh, one thing that you said and it goes back to your listening skills um years ago you know as people that are trying to get our clients to talk to us the one question you asked a moment ago was what else And a lot of times if I say to you, Dusty, what else can I do to be of help to you? You might say, oh, nothing. You do a good job. Your team takes care of us pretty well. They're very, um, and I could either accept that or go back to you and say again, but what else could we do? And then if I keep on pushing the what else and then shut up and listen, because I got two of these ears and only one of these, so I should be listening twice as much as talking. I'll find that after two or three times I say what else, I get the gems. I get those comments about, yeah, I really need to do something for this employee, Joe, who if he left, I would be miserable because I don't want to do his work. And that's so such a great lesson. And I'm so glad you use those two words because it's a very easy job. And it's a lot easier for me to listen than it is to talk, though my instinct may be to jump in and give all these solutions. Just say what else and listen. So tremendous, tremendous um, advice for people. To may, may I say one other thing? Sure. Michael, because I, I this is so good. This is a lot of fun for me. Um, marketing. So I, I have tried everything. I did, you know, seminar, seminar mailers where I'm buying free steak dinners. I tried college classes where you, t- you know, you're teaching in a college setting and at night. And I've, I did radio. I did um, yeah. uh, d- direct mail newspaper, um, not television. But I, so, I, I mean, I did, I, I did a LinkedIn campaign, you know, that I hired the people for. And I, I, I just now I do nothing because, but here's what I want to tell people. So what I do now, and again, it's all fact dependent on where you are, right? As an advisor, as an agent and your belief, but I'll tell you next week here, here's, this is my marketing, right? Next week, I'm taking five guys and we're flying from Orlando to Nassau, Bahamas, and we're going to stay in the Great Cliff Hotel, which is this boutique hotel that a pirate built back in the day. Wow. And it's, it's got the top restaurant in the Caribbean right in the hotel. And so it's just one day. We're going to fly. We leave Orlando at 12 p.m. Tuesday, and then we'll be back in Orlando Wednesday at 4. And I'm covering every dime of it, like every every single dime of it. And here's what's interesting, Michael, is... And, and, and so it's part of my marketing budget, but I have to be clean about it. And here's what I mean by that. It's, it's a psychological word. I can't be, 
I can't, oh, what am I trying to say? I can't go with the expectation that, oh, this guy's going to do a big policy. This guy's going to hire me for tax planning. This guy's going to be, it's, it's, I just have to go down because I, I know every time I bring high value people together, good things happen. And so that's why I just told him, hey, we're going to go to the Bahamas. We're going to have fun. And there's no agenda. And, there, and and I really mean it. Like there's no hidden agenda. There's no pitch, nothing. And so when I go down there and back to our listening, so my whole agenda is to listen to them and not listen to them to hear things, you know, to hear pain points that I could exploit later. I'm just going to be there to have fun and to listen. And you and I both know I w- I'll get business out of that. I don't know when. I don't know how much. I don't know where. I don't know. I don't know any of that. And I'm not concerned about any of that. But when you bring high value people and I'm and I'm adding the value first, I'm, I'm footing the bill. I'm covering it all. So I have found those type of things to be better um, than all money, the other types of market money spent where I'm directly talking to somebody or adding value to them. And again, it, it can't be a, a quid pro quo uh, that, that came famous in politics, right? Uh, it, it has to be clean. That's what I mean by clean. Like Absolutely. you have to say, I'm just adding value. Well, well, why are you doing this? I just want to add value. I want to get to know you. I want to expand my network. That's what I tell them. I want to get to know you better and expand my network. And they get that. Sure. And then, but I'm sure there's like these guys, uh, two of them I already know well, three I don't. So they're a little skeptical. Uh, uh, the three that don't know me, I, I'll, I'll, uh, they're waiting for a pitch. They're waiting for something, you know, not, there's not. And when they, when we go down on this trip together, you know, this little pirate trip of, uh, of a, uh, uh, you know, international trip, but it's just basically a little, little over 24 hours. That the bonding in that and the trust that I build, if any of them are qualified to be a client and it makes sense, they will be. And there there will be no sales. Like it, it will just be a matter of can I help them and do they want the help? That's it. <clears throat> you know, it, it's a great, great story because you clearly are a value provider, you provide value for people. You provide um, consulting when it comes to taxes and planning for small businesses. And a a mentor of mine, a a business colleague and coach, uh, Steve D'Annunzio, he told me something that always resonates with me. It's money always follows value. You deliver high quality value to people and the money's going to come. The sales will come. The opportunities will come. The referrals will come. And that's why you don't need to have a pitch. All you have to do is be the custodian of the relationship, drive that relationship, create win-wins by adding value, and business will come. And it's not necessarily, you know, sometimes you know, out of the people that you don't know that aren't clients, maybe one of them will never be a client, but he might refer right. you to best friend who will become your right. best client. You just never know. So I wanted to first say thank you for your business. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for your words of wisdom that you shared. 
And before we, we sign off, just um, once again, share how people could reach out to you if they had a question, uh, they wanted to, to, to speak with you or email you what your number is or whatever you want to share so that people have a way to contact you. Excellent. So, you know, my name is Dusty Rollins and my email is Dusty at Dusty Rollins, R-O-L-L-I-N-S.com. My number is 407-437-8871. And I'm happy, you know, I, I actually, I have a pretty good lifestyle schedule. So I'm happy to, to talk to anyone I could help because I, I'm passionate. You know, I, I tell people, Michael, that the financial services business, and that's a huge umbrella. I tell them, look, if you can get, if you get into it and you can make it, about three years is my best estimation. Um, you're going to have something because 98% or whatever of everyone who does won't make it three. And then if you make it to five, you're going to have a business that you can't believe. Like th this is the, the phenomenal business. And I do have to say, and I'm not just saying this, I am just saying it, but I'm not just saying it because I'm on your podcast. But a, another key thing for me is I, I don't enjoy the application process, dealing with the home office. You know, it's a necessary, obvious necessary part. And so what I have, another key to success for me and, and to peace of mind is, is finding good brokers or, or those, those people that can help do the pieces of the business that I don't do every day. And they get a piece of that business, but that's a very fair value. And so I have been very appreciative of you, Deborah, your whole team have been, I mean, just yesterday we had an issue with the client's online account. You guys stepped in, handled it really quickly. Um, and so then I could write my client back and say, it's handled, you, you know, we gotta go fix it, but it's handled for now, the emergency's over. So thank you for that too. And, and, um, you know, you, you guys run a very good organization. I'm happy we connected those so years ago. Dusty. It's a pleasure to be of service to you. And as I said, money always follows value. I just keep on trying my best to deliver value. And good things come to those right. that deliver. So thank you. Peace, health, happiness, to your family, to your son who just turned 18 and his <laughs> lessons on listening. And I right, wish right. I could rewind the tape and become a better listener when I was 18. Um, because Me the too. next, let's see, I got 44 years since I was 18. Uh, <laughs> it would have been a little bit easier. So for everybody listening, listen good. Because it is a privilege for those that you're listening to. And thank you for allowing us to listen to you, Dusty. Have a great day. Thank you. You too, Michael. Thank you. You've been tuning into It's Personal, Not Just Business with your host, Michael Flegelman. Each episode features role models and lessons from other successful financial advisors and brokers. Thank you for your positive feedback, comments, questions, and for sharing this show with others.